0: I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit is for today. I believe that. That is my belief. Does everybody agree with me? You don't have to. Because the basis of that is Jesus Christ loved us. We've accepted him as Lord and Savior. We're going to heaven by that reality. Father, thank you today for this day. Be with Kayla and the boys as they go to Sunday school. Anoint Kayla to teach and the boys to listen and to behave and be good. And let's pray that you'd minister through that as well. And be with us as we look into your word as well. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's hard for the kids to walk when the teacher doesn't walk. Yeah. All right. Well, God is good, amen? All the time. God is good. We're going to go to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 14. We are almost done with the book of Romans. It's taken us over almost six, maybe about six or seven months of this, which is good. Amen. Now you have a good platform to start this Bible, to start this reading plan, right? And I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that was a thing. But now you have a good platform and a good foundation to do this reading plan. Starting in verse 1, verse 14, or chapter 14. Welcome him who is weak in faith but not for the purpose of arguing over opinions. For one has faith to eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Do not let him who eats despise him, do not let him who eats despise him who does not eat. And do not let him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for God is able to make him stand. Father, thank you for today. Bless us and minister to us by your Spirit. Give us strength and uplift us today in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot in this little section of Scripture, and for time purposes we won't go too far today. But he says in the very first verse, Welcome him who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of arguing over opinions. That is a thing that we do often in this society argue over opinions how many of how many of you have heard this in your home maybe your parents said it to you never talk about politics or religion with with anyone else right why because it's never a, a calm conversation unless you're of like-minded faith and, and like-minded political party it is not a calm conversation The Bible says that we are to abstain from vain arguings. This falls under that vain arguings. We get together as believers because we're believers. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. Pentecostals can get along with Baptists, and Baptists can get along with Catholics, and Catholics can get along with uh, Methodists, and all those things. Why? Because we come together with an understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the one who is in control. We've given our lives to him, therefore we must go forward. You know, when it comes down to arguings, we have to understand one thing. What makes a person a Christian? That is the born-again experience of accepting Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart and asking him to forgive you. That is the prerequisite to being a Christian. Now, a Baptist believes that. A Pentecostal believes that. Protestants believe that. So that is the core doctrine of what makes a Christian. So if we go by that and we say, this is what I'm going to go by, I can sit and have dinner with anyone. Or I can sit across a seat and talk to anyone because that is the basis of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Things like, do we take communion every week or do we take it once a month or do we take it every other week? Things like that is minuscule. Or things like, do we baptize By full immersion, or do we sprinkle, or do we dunk, or do we throw them off a cliff? I don't know. But, you know, arguings like that, that isn't crucial to being saved in the first place. Salvation comes through the blood, shed blood of Jesus Christ, and our acceptance of that. Things like baptism, how we do it. Um, whether we take communion every other week, whether speaking in tongues is of today or not, those things don't keep you out of heaven if you don't have those. What keeps you out of heaven is a poor relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, in my understanding, I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit is for today. I believe that. That is my belief. Does everybody agree with me? You don't have to. Because the basis of that is Jesus Christ loved us. We've accepted him as Lord and Savior. We're going to heaven by that reality. Same thing with baptism. I believe in full immersion baptism. I think that's important. That's what Jesus did. Therefore, that's what I believe we should do. Does everybody have to agree with me? No. It's my opinion we have opinions we're allowed in 2019 almost 2020 to have our own opinions we're allowed to have those opinions we can have our own opinions as long as the basis of how salvation comes you can agree if you can agree on that then that's all you need to agree on okay and in some respects Every mainline faith, in some respects, believes that, although it's a little bit skewed in some of the mainline faiths, but they believe that in some way, shape, or form. So if that is the case, why do we argue about the little things? The little things that we do, let's just say, well, well, you know, we we all have to sit together and we all sit on one side because that's how we do it in our church. So... The women sit on one side, the men sit on the other. That's how it's supposed to be. No, no, no. See, those are little things that don't make any difference to your salvation or, your, or where you're going to end up. What, where you're going to end up does, is dependent upon your relationship with God. So vain arguings, we're not supposed to do those things. For one has faith to eat all, veg, all things, and others have, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, Does that mean you can't be a vegan? Because you're weak? No. No. He's basically making a case here that we're not to judge other people for what they do. Because they have reasons for doing. Whether we agree with it or not, we have to not judge them. God judges. We don't. Now, He says, do not let him who eats despise him who does not eat. So it's not appropriate, if I can use that word, because that really is the case. It's not appropriate for us to judge someone for doing something we don't agree with, no matter what it is. Now, the Bible says, by our fruits, by their fruits, we shall know them, whether they're believers or not, yes, but we're not the ultimate judge for what they do. Somebody does something you don't like. Well, you can't necessarily hate them. That's what judging comes down to. Eventually, you judge somebody. You get opinions about somebody. You begin to not like them. You begin to hate them. So judging, we're not supposed to do that. We can, we can get an in 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 indication of their lifestyle by what they do, and we can pray for them, but we're not to judge them. We're not to judge them. Now, anything. Now, now, Paul is using whether they should follow the law or not follow the law. Now, we know that with Jesus coming and being born, like we just celebrated last week, being born of a virgin, living a sinless life, dying on the cross and rising again, being our final sacrifice. He said, he fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. There's a big difference there. But, we do not have to Follow the letter of the law because Jesus fulfilled it. There are some things that we should follow, the Ten Commandments. Jesus affirmed that in the New Testament. There are things we should follow, but whether we should eat kosher or not, that doesn't get you in or out of heaven. Right? He's basically saying, don't judge people on the little things. Remember that dream, or that when Paul was up on the was Peter was up on the roof, and a veil came down, and God said, "Do not call unclean what I've made clean. Now go down and eat." Kind of that's kind of how it went. Peter's heart was he was judging others because they were not following the law. God said, "Don't judge them. Don't call unclean what I've called clean." don't judge and see that that's very um, appropriate for us as people because our attitudes are our, our ways of thinking can make or break someone else's relationship with God and that's very true my attitude about spiritual things as as, as regards to how people, should act within, you know, outside the confines of Scripture, I should say, that can make someone turn away from God. That can make someone turn away from God. If I'm, if I'm judging someone for doing something that is outside of this realm of Scripture, that could turn someone away from God. Well, I, I can't, someone could say, well, I, I just can't live up to that, what God requires of me now that's my own opinion that i'm judging someone by maybe not might not be in scripture it might be something that i feel personally but me judging someone like that could push someone away Say, i can't keep i can't i can't even do that i can't you know so i'm just going to walk away and then their blood is on my hands because of my own opinion my own judgments don't judge them pray for them That's basically what he's saying. Pray for them. That God would reveal. See, we are are not a good revealer of the plan of God. We are not. Only God is. God prompts us to give insight at times to other people. But the big picture revealing of God's plan, God is the best one to do that. Because we'll muck it up every time. We'll muck it up every time. Because we are human, we are sinful, we're fallible. God is not. God gives His plan perfectly and in such a way that either we want to follow it or we don't want to follow it. But if we give God's plan, try to give God's plan, not only will they choose either to follow or not follow, they will walk away entirely. I don't want that on my shoulders. I want to give that over to God and let God do that. Now, should we, should we give counsel of how things are, how, how people are, and, and should we caution people on lifestyle? Yeah, I think we should. That's different than judging. Cautioning someone on their lifestyle is all appropriate if it is done in love. If it's done in love. I've had to have hard conversations. I've had to have difficult conversations. And it's not easy. It's not easy. I hate having those difficult conversations. But I have to at times. And I have to do it in the, in the love and the, in the, in the in inclination of God in my life. I can't have those conversations of my own knowledge and my own understanding. And my own, I can't have those conversations like that. Because I'm not a patient person. You might think I am, but inside I'm not. I'm not. My kids know that. My wife knows that. But you might think I'm a patient person, but I'm not, really. I, I, have, I have the gift of hiding it well. But if I did it on my own, I wouldn't be a patient person. I have to have the Lord guide and direct. And I think that's what this is all about. Giving God the authority in your life to be able to lead and guide you in your interpersonal communication. Don't judge people. Who are you to judge another man's servant? That's one thing we really gotta think about. Who are we to judge anyone? really we're under judgment ourselves if you think about it we're under judgment ourselves so who are we to judge anyone else remember that parable remember that parable that uh jesus told about the man who owed his master so much money and he went and he begged his master to forgive him the debt and the master forgave him the debt and then he went out and he had a servant that owed him some money and he got so angry with him cuz he couldn't pay it back he threw him in jail. Remember that parable? And then the master found out about that and he threw his servant in jail and and required him to pay back the debt. We're not to judge people. God has given us the great gift in his son. And with that comes this great gift of Loving others. Giving others the benefit of the doubt. Extending mercy as God extended mercy to us. And if we deny that from other people, God will deny that from us. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. We must extend mercy. We must not judge. We must... uh, Give grace where it's needed. Now, that's not to say we're not to look away when somebody sins, but I think it's important that we restore a brother in meekness, it says, in love, kind conversation, not condemnation. That God would bring them to the place of repentance To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand for God is able to make him stand. In, in, In regards to our standing for God, Ephesians talks about doing all you can do to stand. We're to stand for God. In this life, if we say... I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I love Him and I'm going to follow Him and I follow Him, we're making a stand. And with that stand comes, in a way, retribution. That's why Paul said, doing all you can do to stand. This is a promise here that If we stand, God will make us stand. Help us to stand. Doing all you can do to stand. How do you stand under retribution? How do you stand under condemnation? How do you stand under the the lives of people who come against you? How do you stand through all of that? Read the word of God draw close to Jesus Christ. Jesus was able to stand under the worst punishment that was ever put on anyone. He was able to stand spiritually and physically. No one's done that to us yet. And yet sometimes we fail to stand. We walk away because we don't want to be made fun of, or we walk away because somebody hurt our feelings, or we walk away because we don't want our character and who we are to be tarnished because I want to be remembered as a nice guy. I don't want to be remembered as some weirdo holy roller, okay? We walk away for things like that, and nobody has beat us over the back with anything. Nobody has, has punched us in the face or put a crown of thorns on our head, Nobody's done that to Jesus and he stood. Isn't that our example? Stand. God will make you stand. let Let me clue you in on something. When you fail to stand, the enemy wins. When you walk away, the enemy wins. When you buckle under the pressure, the enemy wins. You don't win. I don't win. The enemy wins. And we're the weaker for it. We're the weaker for it. The next time more stuff comes, we will buckle even easier because it's easier to buckle than it is to stand. Think about that naturally. If you're having a pain in your back and your legs, is it easier to stand than it is to sit? Depends on the back pain. But I mean, logically, it's easier to sit than it is to stand. So if someone is causing you spiritual pain, emotional pain, wouldn't it stand to reason that it would be easier to buckle than it would be to stand? But God will allow you to stand. You go to Him, He allows you to stand. When you buckle under that spiritual pressure... It's never easy. It's never the same. It's easier to buckle the next time. It's easier to buckle the next time. The good news is that you can reverse that process. The third time something happens and you say, I'm not gonna buckle, I'm gonna stand, and you stand and you're successful, the next time you do that and you do that, it gets easier and easier and easier and you can work your way back. It's gonna be a hard war road But you can work your way back. Do not buckle. God helps you to stand. Do all you can do to stand, Ephesians says. Everything you can do to stand. If you're going through something spiritual, emotional, physical, do all you can do to stand for Jesus Christ. If that means getting into the Word of God more than you ever have, praying longer than you ever have, Seeking God longer than you ever have, being quiet before God until God says something back to you and you write it down in your little journal. If if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. To stand, to know that God is with you beyond the shadow of a doubt. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And I urge you, that's the importance of this reading plan, or a reading plan every year. stand with Jesus. You know, there's times in my <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> in my life, when I've had to do that, I've had to stand, and it's hard to stand, but you have to stand. And I've come out of those circumstances stronger for having stood. That's why it's important, that's why I say all the time, get into your Bible and read. Spend time with God in prayer. Allow God to speak to your heart and write those things down. Because in the times when it is difficult, you can look back at those things and say, this is what Jesus brought me through. And he's gonna do it again, because he never changes. What's the Bible say? I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he got it through you last week, got, got, got you through it last week, he'll get you through it next month. If he got you through it 10 years ago, he'll get you through it today. He never changes. And we've got to understand, we've got to stand in Jesus Christ. Stand and do all you can do to stand. Fast if you have to fast. Fast and pray. Do what you need to do to stand for God is with you Joshua 1 9 I'm gonna turn back there you don't have to turn back there but I'm gonna turn back there Joshua 1 9 great scripture one of my favorites not because it's named after me but one of my favorites Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous for you shall provide the land that I swore to your fathers to give them as an inheritance for this people. Be strong and very courageous in order to act carefully in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn aside from it to the right or to the left so that you may succeed wherever do do not turn aside from it to the right or the left so that you may not so that you may succeed wherever you go verse 8 this book of the law must not depart from your mouth meditate it meditate on it day and night so that you may act carefully according to the, all that is written in it for then you will be, you will make your way successful, and you will and you will be wise. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What is the common theme of that? Be strong and courageous. Do not allow this word to be part to depart from your mouth or your heart. Press in to God. Know His word. Understand His word. God will be with you. He is. You are. You are commanded to be strong and courageous. He will be with you wherever you go, if you do this. Does that make sense? We need to do this kind of. This is kind of stuff that to me, and I know it not for everybody, but to me, it sounds basic. To me, it's basic. I know it's not basic to everybody. I know it's not a basic concept to everybody. And I understand that. But to me, it's basic to just trust God and do not depart from His Word and He will be with you. To me, that's basic. But to some people, it isn't basic. But I understand that if we apply this principle, and that's what it is, it's a principle. If we apply the principle of trusting God and not departing from his word, he will be with us wherever we go, through life's good times and bad times, through the hardest time you've ever had in your life, to the best time you've ever had in your life, Jesus will walk alongside you. Isn't that a great promise? We, we hold on to that promise very, very tightly when it's something that we've gone through that is very difficult in our life. The hardest thing we've ever had in our life, the greatest, thing we, the greatest promise we have to know is that Jesus walks alongside with us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He'll be with us wherever we go. That's a great promise. But it's also a promise in our good times too, in our victories. He's with us rejoicing with us he's with us rejoicing if we stand, stay in his word, trust him he'll never leave us nor forsake us Some somebody might say, so how can you say that you know God said that but, but look what he did with the children of Israel. he had to lift their his hand a couple times in order to bring them into captivity and bring judgment for them to turn back so God can do that with us in the hopes that we would turn back but if we would just stay with him you know I'm convinced that if the children of Israel would have just followed God trusted Moses trusted the word that God gave Moses It even says in there that they've traveled for 40 years in a desert because of their unbelief. If they would have just believed, they would have went right to the promised land and they would have been right in there. Wouldn't have taken 40 years? For the 40 years cycle was a cycle of unbelief. If we would just believe God, if we would just trust God and keep in his word we can have a life that is so easy in the knowledge that God is with us. It might not be easy physically or easy emotionally or easy spiritually, but we have this promise that he's with us wherever we go. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That a creator that we can't even see, that we don't even know what he looks like, Knows my name, knows your name, knows your heart, knows your, he knows your, your, your pain, your hurt. He knows all of that and he wants to be a part of that. A creator, the creator of heaven and earth. Who, who insurmountably seems so large compared to us, wants to be a part of my life and your life on the most intimate level of knowing you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Does that make sense? Let's go before the Lord, shall we? Father, thank you for your your word. Thank you for the promise that you are with us, that you minister to us, and that you bless us. And Lord, if we stay with you, you will stay with us. And we understand that. And Father, we know that we are to do all that we can do to stand. You want us to be courageous and to be bold in the knowledge of your presence, in the knowledge of your promises. Help us today to grow in that. Help us to grow in your grace and in your word. Help us to grow in the knowledge of you. Lord, give a hunger for your word this year coming up that only could be quenched by the Holy Spirit and your word. Father, minister to us. Give us, Lord, strength. Uplift us by your spirit. And Lord, minister to us. And Lord, we thank you for that and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And we should rise to the challenge of trusting God this 2020, ministering to others as God leads us to do so, trusting in his word, trusting in his blessings, trusting in his care and his mercy. I pray that that God this week gives you a great understanding in his word as you read, that he blesses you with his presence as you pray and that he ministers to you. God be with you and minister to you this week. May he touch you. May he bless you.